time. W-E-B-Y, Milton, Pensacola. when it is March and finally after having five days of no men's basketball the NCAA men's basketball tournament does continue we have four games today also we honor the life of a legendary football coach this is sports call welcome into sports call everybody Davis Allen Justin Patrick we even have Ren in the studio and my dog Draco that all means one thing on a Saturday we made it we made it. It's Saturday, and we've also made it to the Sweet 16. It is that time of year, unlike last year, where we weren't even able to have the tournament, but we're back to the final 16 teams in the country when it comes to the madness that is March. And I couldn't be any more excited. you got teams like Oral Roberts still here. you got teams like the Pac-12. Four teams on the Pac-12. Who would have thought? I was saying Pac-12 has been the worst basketball conference since halfway through the season. And then you have someone who was supposed to be the best basketball conference in the Big Ten leading on to their last remaining dog in Michigan. And so it just kind of shows what madness will come about here in these last couple weeks. Yeah, don't hate on the Pac-12, I guess. You have four teams like you had just mentioned. Tonight we're going to see... Uh, let's see. Tonight we do have, let me just make sure I get this right. Oregon State, they're going to be taking on Loyola. That's the first game of the day at 140. They always start these games at odd times. And then tomorrow the rest of the three will play, including UCLA versus Alabama. May I say that that is going to be an awesome game. And then also Oregon against USC. Oregon, uh, by the way, keep in mind, Oregon State was actually the champion of the Pac-12. That's how they ended up in the tournament to begin with. And it always seems that once you get to your conference championship and you managed to win, even if you were a team that wasn't supposed to win, it always sparks something in you. Like, we weren't supposed to be here to begin with. Let's make the most out of this and let's move through the tournament. That unfortunately was not the case for Appalachian State, but for at least Oregon State, they're making the most out of it. And now they're in the Sweet 16 and we'll get to see them again play today against a team that perhaps is the most underrated team in the entire tournament at a Loyola Chicago. Keep in mind that th- two years ago, did we forget that they were an 11 seed that made it to the final what? four and actually really competed well against Michigan before they fell in the final four matchup? And also earlier in the year and really throughout the season, Loyola Chicago was a top 25 team. They were ranked and yet they come into this with an eight seed. They are a better team at the very least. They should be a four seed, but they were disrespected and given an eight. Well, that's what me and Drew had mentioned last week. It's like, do not sleep on this team. It doesn't matter that they're playing Illinois. You, you were hyping up Illinois basketball. It's like, no, I, this Loyola team, their experience, they're used to being here, and they, they just went out there and played ball, and you really just can't complain. I mean, that's why I was kind of surprised to see them put as the eight seed just to the fact that was they were our top 25 team throughout the year. They deserved at least a six seed, but because of their conference and where they play, they were to put them down into an eight seed, which is like that's a very good eight seed. Like it, I mean, it's better than North Carolina as an eight seed, if I'm being honest. Like That's where it is. 
It's sort of been a theme this year. Many people are questioning the seeding process for the committee. And look, I think as long as you make the tournament, no matter what, you have an opportunity to win. And you could be a really, really talented team, and they make you an eight seed. If anything, that's a good thing. They're putting you against supposedly weaker teams for you. So they're sort of giving you a break. If you're at the higher seed you are, also you have the opportunity to play better teams. Unless you're a one seed, you normally get to play a 16 seed. You know, an eight seed, though, gets to play a seven seed yeah. in the in the beginning. So I think Loyola was put in a better situation because they were an eight seed. Think of Butler uh, uh, like almost 10 uh-huh. years ago now. It, 10 years ago, Butler made that made those two runs where they went to the national championship back-to-back years. They were an eight seed the second year. They still had a really good team, and they managed to make it to the, ch- to the championship again, unfortunately losing both occasions. So it's still, you know, you have these mid-majors making these terrific runs, and Loyola trying to make trying to you know do their part in making it and think like we're, we've been mentioning butler a couple of times they have the oldest one of the oldest continuing field houses in america right now and it's going to be used twice today as baylor and villanova are getting underway at five fifteen, and then the night capper is going to be around nine o'clock this evening houston against syracuse i will be staying up for that game because yeah. i normally go to sleep by nine that's not going to be the case today well here's the thing if you're if you're a fan of college basketball and you don't have a team in the tournament anymore, the Midwest division is where you just need to pay attention because you're either going to have a low seed winning or you're going to have a small school winning. Houston, I still, in my perspective, is a small school because they're not a power five school. Same with Loyola, of course. And then you have two very low seeds in Oregon State and Syracuse, them being, you know, I think, other than Oral Roberts, the only the lowest seeds in the tournament. Also, I want to shout out UCLA as they, you know, had the play-in versus Michigan State, and they made it this far in the Sweet 16. Now they got to go play against Alabama. That will be a good game to watch as well. Um, Arkansas and Oral Roberts, I don't know how much longer this madness will go on with them, but uh, I know the last team to make it to it, last 15 seed to make it to the Sweet 16 was Florida Gulf Coast. You know, that, mm-hmm. that was a pretty cool thing to see. Dunk City. Yes, yes, sir. And uh, But, yeah, Oral Roberts versus Arkansas will literally really test the day. I mean, they beat off our Gators, and they beat also Ohio State. So it just kind of shocks you. So it, if you also are on your computer by any chance and you're listening to us, you can go to our YouTube Live channel, and we do have – YouTube running. We have us in the studio at the angle. You can see Ren on the board, Justin in the middle, me in the far right seat. And also, as I switch camera angles, you can see my dog. This is Draco. Draco's been to the show a handful of times, and I figured today he was going crazy, by the way, over uh, the my neighbors. They had just moved out, and I guess the people who own the house were there. They were they brought their lawn equipment. They were cleaning up the yard and all that stuff. And I guess they went and cleaned up my yard as well for some reason. It was not even that bad, but thanks. And Draco was just going nuts the entire time. So I just thought, you know what? I need to get you out of the house. So I brought him here. So here he is with us. You can now see he's being a very good boy. It wasn't quite the case before the show because he was going off on Ren and Justin. But now has calmed down. He's settling into my lap. And he's just happy to be here, as you can tell. As he's staring at, at Justin now. He's been staring at me. He's staring know. at him. Uh, oh, yeah. It looked like he was getting ready to bark. Instead, he just had to yawn. So, anyways, Draco's here with us, too. You might hear him chime in with some of his opinions as we go throughout the program. But, no, Justin, I want to go back to Oral Roberts real quick. So, they are facing off against Arkansas. Arkansas, I, they have one of the best head coaches in all the country out of Eric Musselman. The must bus is what uh, he considers 
uh, himself and his team, the must bus. So I'm fully behind the must bus. And in actually my best bracket going right now, I made four brackets total. I thought I was going to make 10. I ended up making four, four solid brackets. And the one that where I have Arkansas winning it all is my best bracket, which has me, by the way, out of the 14 million brackets that were made, I am ranked in the 300,000 range. So shout out to me. I'm uh, in the what I would consider sort of the top percentile, sort of the top percentile. But in that bracket, I have Arkansas winning, which means I have them taking down Oral Roberts. But I'm not going to let that be my final prediction. We're going to do our game day pickums at the end of the program because I have something to say about Oral Roberts. I also don't care if Arkansas actually wins at all because my bracket, like many others, has been blown up. So Correct. there is no more perfection. This team has something about them that is really exciting. This team has no big guys. They're all shooters, and they play really hard inside the paint, too, when they need to. But they are sharp. They're a sharp shooting team. They cannot go cold today. If they can't hit a shot today, they're going to get blown out. Well, that's the thing that's so difficult about their play style. Yeah, they've been on great runs these past couple games which is good to see, but the thing is, that's what sucks about it is that if you're not firing on all cylinders, this is a very similar situation that happened to Marshall when they beat Wichita State and then they go and just get blown out by West Virginia. John Elmore wasn't hitting. Uh, Burns wasn't hitting. Yeah, if you don't have your three-ball guys able to hit, you you don't have a chance of winning. That's the thing. Um, that, that's that's the problem when it comes to not having bigs. Uh, Houston, uh, by Houston, I mean the Houston Rockets. They, for years, tried to pull off the exact same um, play scheme where it's, it's small ball. That's what it is. No bigs. They just try to have shooters on the floor. And sometimes they absolutely shoot out the gym. But some days, if, if, some, if some players yeah. just aren't firing all, on all cylinders, they get blown out the water. And that's what that's just the ups and downs of this play scheme. See, when you have a big man in the paint that can dominate and get to the rim you can stay consistent scoring-wise because you always have that guy. It's hard to miss a layup, especially when you're seven feet tall and you can body everyone in sight. Then you can get to the basket. Consistently, you can score points. If you have nothing but shooters on your team, then you have to be hot. You have to shoot. You have to hit your shots, and that's the, and that's the only way you're going to win. And Oral Roberts has done exactly that. And as a matter of fact, Oral Roberts they're not only hitting shots, but they're hitting shots late in the ball game because Florida was beating them most of the game. They were beating them most of the game. I was watching that game last Sunday thinking, you know, Florida's got this. You know, we we look really good. We look really consistent. We're feeling comfortable out there. And then Oral Roberts would just keep hitting shots. They kept staying in the ball game. But still, I thought, you know, Florida's hitting shots too. You know, Oral Roberts is certainly making this really interesting. They're making this close. But they're going to. They're, ultimately, they're not going to compete with Florida. Well, then Florida went cold. Oral Roberts stayed hot. And guess what? I thought at the end of the day, the right team won. And I wasn't even upset. You know, yeah, you you hate the fact that your team did lose and they lost in an upset fashion. You never want that to be your team. You want that to be the other team. You want to watch the other team go down and celebrate that upset. Well, unfortunately, it was my team. But I couldn't really be that upset. Because I do love a good upset. And also, if Florida loses, uh, life goes on. Who cares? It happens. Whatever. We move on. So now I get to celebrate the the underdog. We do now have a Cinderella team. It's official that Oral Roberts is the Cinderella team. Hey, if they can take down Arkansas today, what's stopping them from actually making it to the Final Four? Because Arkansas, I think, is one of the best teams in this tournament. So you take down Arkansas... 
What's stopping you from also getting to the final four? Either Baylor or Villanova. <laughs> Just answer That is true. Baylor um, is one of the best teams in the nation. And Villanova, uh, when they're in the tournament, anything happens exactly. with them. Exactly. They're, they're by far easily one of the best basketball programs to ever walk into this tournament, especially in this decade with everything they've done. They, they've won multiple championships. You have your head coach. Uh, and I believe – I can't remember his name right now, actually. Um, anyways, back to Villanova. Uh, Jay Wright, that's right. I knew it was Jay. I could just, Jay Wright. Yeah, Jay Wright is the head coach of Illinois. Yeah, yeah, two-time Jay, national champion. Correct. Now. Two-time national champion, and by far probably one of the. I would say when it comes to the coaches remaining, he's probably the best one in my opinion, just for the fact that how far he how far he's made it in this tournament, how deep he's gone, and the championships that he's won. Villanova has every opportunity to win this tournament. They have every opportunity to beat Baylor. Baylor has does not have an easy matchup. Gonzaga, they'll probably win their matchup as well uh, versus Creighton for the Sweet 16. But the thing is, Baylor, who knows what will come out of this, will come out of this bracket. I would like to see Oral Roberts beat Arkansas just for the fact that I don't think we've ever had a 15 seed go that far. We have never have. Yep, so it'd be nice to see that happen. So I love Villanova's Jay Wright. And here's one of the reasons why, and this is also a testament to Villanova. He's been their head coach for 20 years, I think. Him and Mark Few have been with their programs for a long time. Now, the difference between those two is that Gonzaga never really was a big-name program until Mark Few came along. And Villanova already had a national championship before Jay Wright came along. They, they were actually, Villanova, fun fact, they beat Georgetown in the 1985 national championship, I think. And they were an eight seed when they did that. The highest seed to this day to win the national championship, or I guess lowest seed, perhaps. Maybe it's the lowest seed. The lowest seed to win the NCAA tournament is Villanova back in the 80s. And now, since then, they have become a premier basketball school. And Jay Wright's been in this program for over t- for about 20 years. He didn't get his first national championship until year 15 into the process. I love it when schools commit to their coach for the long run, even if they don't win a championship, if they can just get them in big game situations, if they can recruit good teams year in and year out, eventually you're going to build a very good program. You're going to start getting something. And sometimes it really takes time. It, It doesn't always happen overnight. And often I think our schools get into that mindset where we need success right away. If we can't get success right away, then we're going to move on to the next coach that's going to get us success right away. If you have one good year and then the next year is really bad, all of a sudden fans are calling for your head. And we have to get to this place where you need to invest into your program. You need to invest into your coach that you're bringing in. So schools like Gonzaga and Villanova are doing exactly that. Did you do I did not know this, but you know Raleigh Massimino, the coach, yeah. the coach of Illinois. I did not know he passed away. In oh, he died. I, I, he died a little while ago. Yeah, I, he died right after their yeah, second national championship. championship. Yeah. Or not? Maybe no, not the it, second one, but was, the first one under Jay Wright. No, so it was the because um, they won the national championship in 2016, mm-hmm. right? And then North Carolina won it in 2017. It was so it was a year after that because he died in 2017 around. Yeah, he did die shortly after, and he, it was he, sad he because died August August 30th to be specific, but. He you know, had the national championship, of course, 11 NCAA appearances, five Sweet 16s, and a Final Four. That Final Four would be in the year they won the championship as well. But, yeah, I did not know he passed away, but you know, he's kind of a guy who started this whole Villanova legendary yeah. basketball. And then Lapis really didn't do anything. Um, and then when they brought Jay Wright, it was back. They were back on track. 
Okay. So, yeah, actually, you, it's funny you bring up Raleigh Massimino because I watched Survive in Advance the other day because it's just such a good documentary. I have to watch it at least once every March Madness. And there's a, a theme, I think, between Italian coaches and any other coach. Italian coaches have so much fire and spirit in them. You know, you have John Calipari, who he's always going nuts on uh, the side of the court. Then Jim Valvano, yeah, was who was the, Valvano, he was the head coach <laughs> who, you know, led NC State to their amazing run. And now we have the Jimmy V cancer research. He, did pa- he passed away from cancer. And awesome. then you had Raleigh Massimino. And there's a documentary that HBO did before the 30 for 30 series ever even came out. And it focused on that 1985 Villanova team and Raleigh Massimino's speech to his team. And he was another one of those coaches that was really spirited and loud and like, let's go. In the halftime of the national championship where they're taking on number one ranked Georgetown and they're the number eight seed, like they're the Cinderella story. They're making the Cinderella run and they made it all the way to the national championship. And Raleigh Massimino, as they're in halftime, they're 20 minutes away from their national championship. And he gives a speech to his team where he says, you know, guys, you know what I could really go for? I could really go for like a nice bowl of pasta with some bolognese sauce like that. I can just do that right now. And that was his message to the team. And then he was like, all right, let's go get him. Now, is Rick Pitino Italian? I believe so. He certainly. Uh, I, mean, he's, I think the name would say that he's Italian. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe, yeah, he is. But, I mean, he's – I can't – I really hope he doesn't go get a big contract here. I want to see him just stay one more year at Iona. Iona. Because I, he's, he's done it before where he'll run off with these small teams and just go win tournaments. Yeah. You know? he'll, he does it a lot. And he had every ability to do it this year. They just don't have any depth in their bench. That's why. That's why this, this tournament is set up for a small team to win. That's why we have Oral Roberts here, Villanova, and Gonzaga. That's why we have all these teams still here to make it because it's made for these small schools to win. It comes down to who has the best depth, though. My opinion, it's Alabama, but we'll see where that goes. You know, uh, going back to Iona and really Rick Pitino, Rick Pitino, of course, he's a multinational championship coach winning um, a couple national championships with a few different teams, Kentucky and Louisville. And by the way, I do still in my mind count Louisville as a national champion, although it was vacated due to violation of NCAA rules. It's still the most ridiculous thing that technically there were violations committed and Rick Pitino certainly was behind some of it, but yet that yet they still won a national championship. Correct. They still but, won it. I mean, so. you know, it's not like any of these guys took steroids and then went on to win a championship because they were given some kind of superhuman strength. No, they they won the championship, but yet along the way there were NCAA violations. So, nope, they didn't win the championship. Erase that from history that didn't actually happen. It's no. like Reggie Bush not winning the Heisman Trophy they, they, and not having the amazing year that he had because his parents were making deals on the side. I'll just I really won't get that in the NCAA. I just I, I you and I will always forever look opposite. But Rick Pitino is going to get a, another head coaching job. It's like Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze and Rick Pitino situations were sort of along the same lines. Hugh Freeze does leave. He kind of is you know quiet for a little while. Then he goes to Liberty. He's going to get another big head coaching job here eventually. Just like Rick Pitino is going to get another head coaching job. Although I think Hugh Freeze is going to stay at Liberty for another year. I think Pitino is going to stay at Iona. For another year. So these teams are going to build some more success, and then you're going to have these coaches move on and go back to premier schools. It's like a process, but first they have to get through their past to get to the present and get over what their past lingers them on. Well, I mean, here's the thing Louisville, uh, I always view them as a national champion. 
Don't care that it was vacated. They're the ones that still put in the shots. They're the ones that won six straight. They're the ones that's players, you know, yeah. was cutting the net at the, the tournament. And they didn't have anything drug-wise that affected their play and playing performance. So, you know. And one of their players snapped their leg in half. Let's keep that in mind. Out of Kevin Ware. Like, Kevin Ware broke his leg in the most horrific fashion. Oh, gosh. Still picturing it to this day. Too, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Still picturing it to this now. day. <laughs> Oh, that was a bad. That was a bad timing to say break. Um, <laughs> anyways, but yeah, Kevin Ware. Yeah, that was a tough situation to watch. But that also being a part of that Louisville team, and you know, when it comes to Rick Pitino, I hope to see him back on top when it comes to the coaching world because the way that he can coach teams, it's phenomenal. My dad, you know, he's a big fan of him just the fact that he just enjoys his coaching style. Uh, he keeps players around. He builds. You know programs, dynasties with these players, and you know he makes things happen. You know when they were when Louisville was in the Big East, that's when they won that national championship. They transferred to the ACC a couple years back, but when they were in the Big East is when they won that national championship. So we have five games or four games. I'm sorry, we have four more tomorrow. So we have an entire weekend of basketball. And here's the best part: you, you guys ready for this? This is the best part. We also have games on Monday, and it's so glorious. We have the Elite Eight. Following that, we also I think we have games on Tuesday as well. We do have games on Tuesday as well. So two on Monday, two on Tuesday. We just get four days of glorious competition basketball to look forward to, and we're going to continue to break down these games. But, we also we haven't even we've barely spoke about the games tomorrow. We're definitely going to get into those. Yeah, I mean I've always just loved the first round and second round just for the fact that it's just from like waking up to sleep. There's basketball on for a whole weekend, and, and I love it. It's glorious. So we're getting into those games. Also, we have uh, we had some baseball action yesterday over at Blue Wahoo Stadium. We were on the call for game two, and we're going to be on the call for two games today, starting at four, both doubleheaders. It's gonna, or it's just with the one doubleheader today happening. Uh, but yesterday was interesting because they couldn't finish the game. I'll tell you why. After this break, you're listening to Sports Call Davis and Justin on ESPN Pensacola, 1330 AM and 99.1 FM. ESPN Pensacola, 13.30 a.m. and 99.1 FM. So, you know, it's been a real treat going to Blue Wahoo Stadium and getting to join Chris Garagiola to broadcast high school baseball games. Last Monday, if you recall, we broadcasted the Escambia versus Gulf Breeze game, which I went to Gulf Breeze, but also had the real treat to be able to do some uh, commentary on two of the, or at least one of the players I used to coach back when he was 11 years old. He's now... I think a sophomore, and he's the starting catcher for the team. And by the way, an absolute baller. So yesterday we had Tate versus Choctaw, and it was uh, Tate, I think, that came away with a 12-0 victory. And then Navarre and Fort Walton were being played. That was the game that we aired here on ESPN Pensacola. And Navarre gets out to a 2-0 lead. The game was going by so fast, too. It was like three up, three down, three up, three down, uh, two runs here and there. Three up, three down. It was just going lightning fast. We're in the fifth inning already. And I look, and I'm just seeing the fog roll in. And we start talking about it. Like, I bring it up, and we start talking about the fog as it's coming in. And then we take a break. All of a sudden, I look up after 90 seconds. You could barely see the flagpoles in the outfield. And a pop fly was hit. A routine pop fly to second base. 
you know, a, a relatively easy catch. No one saw the baseball. It drops in front of the second baseman. Thank, good, thank goodness it didn't hit him in the head. He scoops it up, and right away I said, the umpires are going to have to talk yeah, about did, this did, one. Did, you, did, did they end up calling the game? They ended up calling the game. They said, so I guess since the fifth inning was not completed, it yeah. technically wasn't an official game. Correct. I thought in high school, after the fourth inning, then the game is official. But I guess in high school, it's, the, it's still the fifth inning, which is the case in Major League Baseball as well. Once you complete five innings, then the game is officially in the record books, and it could be completed if there were a rain delay and the home team is already bat or the away team is already bat and the home team that's winning is up. Then they can just call the game. The it, game's over. Whoever's in the lead is the winner of the game. It wasn't even just fog. It was misting. Like It was just... It was, Complete mist that was rolling in because I know I was working out on the beach and it we had during the day it was so foggy you couldn't even see the water. This was like at one p.m. You couldn't even see the water it was so foggy. Couldn't even see the people on the beach. And my job is right on the beach. I should I should mention. And then about at four or five, beautiful, yeah, you know, cleared up, beautiful. The fog rolled away, and then about seven o'clock when the sun went down, everything rolled back in, and we have guests like up on the deck, and it's just like. You, you, I was at the edge. I'm just watching everything, and it just like missed. Just it was just such an eerie feeling, but like still like a bunch of families and everything right there. But it's just, like an eerie feeling, just mm-hmm. seeing all this mist and fog roll into the, roll into the restaurant. It was uh, really crazy. But you know, then you mentioned that in baseball because I didn't know you guys were seeing the same things over here in mainland in Pensacola. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of I've played that type of game before. I know at Milton, it was like my first game of senior year. We're playing at Pace, and. We had it, we had two outs. There was bases loaded. You know, the score was still zero zero, and they had a pop up. This is first inning, and they had a pop up, and Alfred just straight up can't see it. Lands behind them, and they're just starting to run around the bases. Mm. The guy, the guy gets a base clearing triple. And I was just like, okay, like that. That's and, uh, unfair. It, it made me mad because then because then they went on a rally because they just started hitting the ball and. They won a rally. They had an eight-run inning in the first inning, which it, it ticked me off because I was like, you know, we should be tied 0-0 going to the second right now. And then they called in the third. I was just like, all right. We got blown out technically, but the thing is the weather conditions were not on our side, and I can almost guarantee no fog that ball's being caught. So, yeah, uh, foggy ball is not ideal. It's very tough to play in. Yeah, uh, there's – I, I... – I was telling the story on air. This was right before they called the game, before the batter hit the pop fly that couldn't be fielded. And I was telling a story about how there was one time in high school where uh, one of our players even, it was so foggy, one of our players hit a home run, and you didn't even know it. He hit a home run, and he's like jogging, but he's like sprinting at the same time because he's like not sure. He's like, did it did it go over? Is it in the field? Like, what what what's going on? And the reason why was because you couldn't really see the outfielder and his reaction. I guess the outfielder knew it was gone because he managed to see the ball land over the fence, but no one else knew that it was gone. And so he just continued to jog around the bases, and we come to find out, yeah, the that ball left the park. It was a home run, and it was just one of those like weird home runs that did happen, but we weren't sure because the fog was so thick. And then later on, they eventually had to stop the game because. You could not see the outfield. The thing is, I don't ever know why they ever try to continuously keep these games going on because fog, usually once it rolls in and doesn't get better, it just gets worse. Like, that's usually what happens. Unless unless it's an early morning game, 
which you know those early morning games where you get like you're playing on Sunday in the tournament. Yeah, the, 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 the sun's gonna the, come out. Yeah, the fog yeah, exactly. will eventually the go fog, away. Fog, like it's like it's seven a.m. You know, it's it's cloudy outside, and you know the grass is all wet from the dew. It's just like, but then like once you get about to the third inning, it's like the sun's out, everything looks normal again, right? That's fine, but when it's night and the fog rolls in, you're not gonna get, you're not gonna be able to see the ball much longer. I actually loved playing the early morning games, like the first, like back in little league when you had Saturday, it was like Saturdays was like the league day, and you'd play like a game Monday through Friday, but then you'd have uh, everyone would play on Saturday, and there would be like eight games going on that day on the same field because all the teams are playing. For me, you know, playing those first games, the early morning games. I was always so fired up as a kid. Like, I'd wake up at, like, 6 because I'm just so excited. I'm about to go play in a baseball game. I miss those feelings, by the way. There's something so pure about that. I know that my family, because, like, we would play in areas where we play on teams where there's kids that live right there in, like, Bruton or, like, Spanish Ford. And we'd be, you know, living in Milton. We'd have to wake up and drive, like, an hour and a half to go play. So I got to wake up. I got to be like, we're leaving at like six to get there for like a 7.30 game, seven o'clock game. You know, oh, actually, it's probably even more, even more earlier than that because we got to be there at least 45 minutes prior for warm ups. Yeah, right. And so like, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, don't even shower or anything, just put a hat on and like just lay down in the car. And I'll, I'll always remember gas station breakfast, local yokel. That was up. We would always just stop because we have a local yokel right outside our neighborhood. A local yokel? Yep. Wow, I've never heard of that. You never heard of a local yokel? No, never heard of a local, and that's nearby. That's apparently here local. Whoa. Okay, I didn't know. The local I didn't know yokel. People knew okay, what those were. Um, Yo, local just, yokel. Yeah. Like, okay, how do you spell yokel? Uh, y o k e l. I've never heard that in my life. Y o k e l. Uh, okay, yo, local yokel, Milton, Florida. It's off of Ward Basin Road. Yep. So it's 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 kind of out there. See, we used to have one. At least it's out there in terms it's, of from our station. Yeah. Our station we're in Pensacola. Our city of license is Milton, by the way. So, so it's good that we're talking about this. But no, yeah, like in terms of where our station's located at, it's probably what fifteen minutes from here. Yep. So actually, um, I would say this local yokel. Um, it's not there anymore. It's now a Circle K and a Shell station, but it still has the kitchen part of the restaurant. Uh, it's just a Circle K kitchen gas station, I guess. But like local yokel, that's like if it's the kitchen part of it. You know, I think it was it was bought out by Circle K that gas station. But I know when I was like ten, it was still a local yokel, and like we'd go there. And what like, what does yokel mean? I don't. Know. I think it means like yolk as an egg, uh-huh. an egg, egg yolk. I think that's what it means. Anyways, we, we were we're breaking down breakfast. It's still breakfast time in a way. I know. I, 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 it's I brunch want, time for I many. Chick Fil A, like, dude. You know. Honestly, I'm, I I can I could go for a really good brunch right now. Like, it's Saturday, not Saturday. Like any any anyone feel like dropping by, I will gladly accept some Dunkin' Donuts. Well, I'll be working uh, brunch tomorrow if you'd like to show out, but uh, yeah, and that's not today though. So I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. I think I'm going. To, I think I'm going to Golf Breeze tomorrow. Some, you know, actually, I so I hit up Justin last week because Justin works out at the beach mm-hmm. uh, as part of like another job, and I go to the beach last Sunday. We are fully prepared to stop by and at least grab a mimosa, and. You're not even there. Yeah, I know. Like, it's the thing is, like, so last week was my first free Sunday that I've had since August. 
I would say. So I went and enjoyed my yeah. day. I went and enjoyed my day. And you know why. Because I've been doing radio shows, whether it was Corner 3 or the Tailgate Show with Chad. I was out there every single Sunday doing something. So this was my first ever time having a free Sunday morning. And so me and Ren, we got media credentials to the PBR bull riding event last weekend that was at the Bay Center. And it was awesome, I want to mention. That way, that was so much fun. I enjoyed it. Um, but, yeah, I went and enjoyed my first free weekend of not working. All I did was work, do this show, and then I enjoyed the rest of my weekend, watched some bull riding, and that was that. Um, but now I'm back to work. I, you know, I'm working to ESPN in the morning, other job tonight, and then I have a double on my other job tomorrow. Heck you know, yeah. Back at my grind. But, uh, yeah, I wanted to just uh, have a free full weekend because I still I haven't had a chance to do that for so, so long. So, you know, I went and did that for a little bit. And then, yeah, back to here because, you know, doing radio is fun. But it's also the fact, like, when you have to do this every single Sunday, it's like it's not even long or hard. It's just you mentally have to prepare. You mentally have to wake up and, you know, be ready to you know, talk on the radio for a couple hours. And you have to do that every single Sunday. It's just like – yeah, you know, it was nice to get a day off. I enjoyed it, but yeah. So, yeah, you know, you got to, you know, everyone needs a good Sunday. I used to yeah. work every Sunday when I used to work in the restaurant industry. I was a bar back, mm-hmm. and, you know, bar backing those brunches, man, you're, you leave completely exhausted, and then you also leave covered in Bloody Mary mix. That was sort of the theme uh, every Sunday for me. And it got to where once I was out of the restaurant industry, I was just so looking forward to, at the very least, not working on Sundays because I do enjoy having Sundays off. It's like the one day that I get off any week. I do have this show on Saturdays and then I get the rest of the day normally to chill unless we have some kind of radio event going on. Uh, By the way, if you, if you're watching us on YouTube live, you'll notice that Draco is just making himself at home uh, trying to drink out of Justin's cup right now, (laughs) just standing on the table. Hey, this is good though. This is a good thing because when we first got to the station, Justin and Ren showed up a little after me and Draco was just going off on them. Uh, and, like, and he's met Justin a million times. This is the second time he has met Ren. But he, for Draco, it takes like a good like four, five to six times for him to finally start warming up to you. And even then, he's like cautious. But eventually, once you get to about the 10th time, he'll start warming up to you. And now he's like letting you guys pet him. So we're yep. making baby steps over here. I know he's let me hold him before. This is like when he was still like... I think like maybe five months probably. It was oh. around Super Bowl last year. And he used to let everybody hold him, but yep. now he's older and like conscious about his surroundings, I guess. And, he's, and he, also... he's just standing on Justin's laptop. I thought for a split second, Justin, I thought he was about I mean, to start he's... peeing on your laptop. Yeah. <laughs> Davis, I don't I, I, I thought for a split second, and that would not be good. No. That would be a very expensive thing for I would, me. I would... <laughs> it would not be a good thing. Draco, come here. Okay, as he's, like, trying to now sit on Justin's laptop, I'll yank him off, and we'll also take a quick timeout as we regroup over here. So, yeah, uh, we have more baseball tonight starting at 4 o'clock. It's going to be on ESPN Pensacola. You can also go to the games as well, but Navarre and West Florida are going to be facing off against each other at 4, and then Fort Walton Beach and Tate High School, they're going to be at 7. So looking forward to both of those games coming up later on today, as well as the basketball action we have going on. This is Sports Call Davis and Justin on ESPN Pensacola, 1330 AM and 99.1 FM. 
So some sad news to report. Howard Schnellenberger, he was the guy who led Miami to his first ever national championship, which essentially built the dynasty. And then Jimmy Johnson came along, other coaches that came along to help continue the dynasty. But Howard Schnellenberger started the U. And he was the person that recognized that Miami itself was a hotbed of talent. He didn't have to go anywhere else. Like, if I want to go get talent, all I got to do is stay in the state of Miami, that's what he coined, that was the term he coined during his championship reign at Miami. Was the state of Miami? He recruited the players who came from the rougher areas, who many regarded as players that other coaches did not want to recruit because they just simply didn't want to go out there and visit them due to the you know the rough uh, the roughness of their neighborhoods and whatnot. So uh, Schnellenberger had a championship team. He essentially built the dynasty that Miami eventually became. They became the U. He passed away at the age of 87. And he also has the field at Louisville, named after him, Howard Schnellenberger Field. Um, Also, he coached at FAU and was a good coach over there as well. But the thing that always made me, the thing I just admired most about Schnellenberger was the fact that he coached in Miami, which... You know, like many places in Florida, Miami's really hot, mm-hmm. especially in the summertime. I've been to Miami a couple of times. It is really hot in Miami, and yet he always wore a suit and tie on the sidelines where it's probably 103 degrees, but that man, no matter what, rain or shine, was going to be in a suit and tie. He also was a cigar aficionado, and there was just something about him and the suit and tie and coaching where I'm just like... You know, if I ever were to become like a big coach, especially at the basketball or football level, I think I'm going to be the suit and tie coach. I always I always loved that look. And there are certain coaches who are that way. They're, they're the suit and tie coach. Howard Schnellenberger, as a football coach, was one of the few that was the suit and tie coach. Joining the greats like Bear Bryant mm-hmm. uh, and also uh, uh, Vince Lombardi, coaches who wore the suit and ties on the sidelines. Howard Schnellenberger was one of those old-school championship coaches who was the suit-and-tie coach, and he is now dead at the age of 87. May he rest in peace because he what a legacy he left behind. So I just want to give a shout-out that Howard Schnellenberger is one of my all-time favorite suit-and-tie coaches, and uh, uh, he's certainly going to be missed as he certainly uh, started something special at the University of Miami. And, there's, and it's something that they're wanting to bring back. But it all began with Schnellenberger. So, uh, yeah, with that, uh, let's go ahead and dive back into the NCAA tournament. I couldn't move on without at least giving Coach Schnellenberger a shout-out. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and he was one easily by far one of the greatest coaches to ever, you know, step on the gridiron. And watching his game style and what he made over there at University of Miami was nothing but short of incredible. Um I'm sorry, I just keep cracking over. My, so yeah, Draco. Draco on the table okay, if you're watching this on YouTube Live, Draco is <laughs> just walking all over the table. I'm surprised he hasn't broken uh, uh, Justin's laptop yet, and I'm happy he hasn't. I mean, he has been but, he's been on top of turning on my caps lock. Like he is like turning on about. Like, six has he, times. Is he just typing gibberish into your computer? Because no, I mean, he was he's just ro- walking all over your keypad. I mean, he he went into my privacy settings, and um, <laughs> so if I'm being honest, but yeah. He's uh he's been going everywhere on my laptop. He's just surfing the web and you know checking out our camera camera TV you know, looking at himself in I guess the <laughs> mirror basically. But yeah, it's kind of funny watching him. Just he walk was around. like taking up the whole the whole screen. 
I mean, he's so he's a funny dog. He's a really silly dog, and I love him. And he wants a treat, so I'm giving him a treat right now. So, anyways, uh, back to the NCAA tournament. We we've, we've pretty much gone through today's games, which again gets underway at 1:40 with Loyola and Oregon State. I will be watching every second of that ball game until I have to leave for Blue Wahoo Stadium to call the doubleheader. Which again, you can catch those games here on ESPN Pensacola. But tomorrow we have Gonzaga and Creighton. Gonzaga looks like nothing is stopping him, but don't let that stop Creighton because they're one of those teams. You wouldn't know much about them unless it were because of basketball. Like as a baseball or basketball team, sorry, they they're based out of Omaha and they play over where the uh, over where the College World Series is located. They play over near there. But uh, yeah, Gonzaga top team. They're deservedly so the top team. Tickets are going as low as four uh, five hundred and fifty four dollars. The all the other tickets are going for like one hundred and fifty two hundred dollars. The USC Oregon game is going for forty one dollars. That's wow. how much. That's how, that's the lack of respect for those programs right there. But Gonzaga and Creighton, that's a hot ticket over at the Hinkle Fieldhouse. Then you have Michigan and Florida State. I have this game on my bracket. My the best bracket that I have has this matchup set up. And I have Florida State beating Michigan, and I'm gonna. And that, that's my early prediction that I'm gonna go ahead and give you right now. This team is another example where Leonard Hamilton has been with a program for a long time. I believe he's in his 17th year at Florida State, and he has built Florida State's basketball program into something that everybody's talking about. I'm, and I believe firmly they are going to take it to Michigan tomorrow, and they are going to get the upset. You know. I'm trying to see what do I want to make my upset because, you know, I, I had a couple calls last week. You know, I called Loyola beating Illinois, and I also called Ohio beating Virginia. So trying to figure out where do I want to drop my prediction in. Oral Robertson, Arkansas is just too much of a long shot for me to, you know, put my money into. USC and, Cre- and Oregon, that's just an even matchup. Michigan and Florida State, that's just a great matchup we have there. I'm going to go... Syracuse over Houston. That's going to be my upset this week. Syracuse over Houston. Yep. And you know, Buddy Beheim. I, I Buddy Beheim Be- yep. is doing awesome. And I see where you're coming from. I can't. Uh, Draco seeing his reflection. He's barking at himself. I love it. So I see where you're coming from with Houston or, or uh, Syracuse taking down Houston. But I don't look at these games like upsets like uh, UCLA taking on Alabama. That's another, a number 11 taking on number two. We're going to have two of these games, right? Both of the 11 seeds are like blue bloods in a way. Like I consider Syracuse a blue blood. I consider UCLA. When you think blue bloods, UCLA should be the first team that you think of. I don't think of these teams as like the Cinderella teams. They're not making significant upsets because they are, the, they are blue bloods. They, well, these are schools that are supposed to be in these positions year in, year out. They just didn't have great regular seasons. Be, they're supposed to be, but they haven't been. And that's the thing. That, 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 that's what's different here is that we're talking about this season. We're not talking about as a program, as a whole, and just what they've been you know, indefinitely. I'm talking about this season. Houston is the better team, but I have Syracuse winning this game just because who's the coach? Who are the players? Give me Syracuse. They have tougher competition as well. Uh, I have Syracuse beating Houston today. Loyola, Chicago, and Oregon State, that's another great game that we have. And But I, how about this? Villanova and Baylor, I'll take Villanova in that matchup, even though that's definitely not an upset. So, no, Villanova and Baylor I think is going to be a fantastic yeah, basketball game. I, I, I really do like this Baylor team, and I love their head coach. 
He's a really, he's just a really fun coach and really spirited with his team. I always love that good young coach that can relate to the players. That's what you want, and that's what Alabama has out of Nate Oates. By the way, I have Alabama beating UCLA. If I can go ahead and give you that prediction as well. I'm not going to give the Oregon-USC one because I, I I think that's going to be a very close matchup. These are two teams that are very familiar with each other. Um, uh, looking at Arkansas and Oral Roberts, I'm going to hold off on giving my prediction on that today because I think that's actually going to be a very good matchup. But you know what's fun? Is that Arkansas and Oral Roberts have already played each other this year. And, our, and Oral Roberts competed against Arkansas and played well. They Arkansas ultimately pulled away in the second half and won. But you know what Arkansas does? They look at their schedules because the coaches are the one, like the head coach is the one that mainly picks their their opponents, uh-huh. the non conference opponents. He picked Oral Roberts because he looked at them and thought, "I think Oral Roberts is the best team in their conference." So, so he, that means they're going to probably end up in the NCAA tournament, and there is a chance we will have to play them in the NCAA tournament. And so he does that with all of his non conference opponents. He'll pick the team that he believes is going to be moving on to the championship, especially the mid-majors where if you don't win your conference championship, you're probably not going to play in the tournament. Like, he looked at Oral Roberts and said, I think they're going to win their conference championship, which means they're going to go to the NCAA tournament, which means there's a chance we could play them. I want to schedule them in the regular season so that way we can get at least one look at them. Well, I want to see, let's see. So he had Lipscomb winning. So he had North Texas was, I guess, was his prediction to win Conference USA then. And then he had Texas Arlington as his prediction to win Sunbelt, which he was way off on that one, by the way. Um, yeah, that didn't work out. But he also had – he played ACU as well. And, you know, they did make their tournament, and they beat upset Texas. Um, Central Arkansas, they didn't make tournament, but he was right on ACU. And that, you know, the other teams, they didn't make it. But so not bad. Oral Roberts and ACU were the main ones. Beat them both. Uh, beat Oral Roberts by 11, beat ACU by 13. Uh, but yeah, here's the deal though. When you go back to going back to Oral Roberts game real quick, because these two teams are familiar with each other already, and because Oral Roberts played them strong the first game, they just lost. Oftentimes, going into the next game, when you know that everything is on the line, you go into this ball game with a whole new mindset. Yeah, both teams are completely different teams, by the way. Yeah, Arkansas won that game against Oral Roberts, but they're a better team now than they were earlier in the year. Right. Oral Roberts, they're definitely a better team now than they were in the year earlier in the year. And there's just something about these kinds of tournaments where as long as you're winning at the right time, you can be a national champion. Now, is Oral Roberts going to be a national champion in the end of the day? I'll just go ahead and let you know, no. But can I still enjoy the run while it lasts? Of course. Is a, do I think that there's another another win in there for them? Absolutely. Is it going to happen against Arkansas? We'll have to wait and see because I've been going back and forth. I'll give you my prediction at the end of the show when I, we do our game day pickups. I really wish that we could just switch out um, Houston and Oral Roberts with each other, you know, just like throw Houston in that matchup versus Arkansas, and then we have Syracuse versus number 15, Oral Roberts, and then Loyola Chicago, who's the 8 seed, versus Oregon State as the 12 seed. That would just be like everyone's like story right there. Like this is a, that, That's a story waiting to happen because one of those teams will be a Final Four team, and we would all love to see that because they're all underdogs, they're all low seeds, and they're all small schools except for Oregon State and Syracuse. They're just low seeds. So... You know, that'd be a, just a history story waiting to happen, but it's not like that. But we can still have that. And, you know, sure. this is what makes March so great is that there's going to be upsets, and we've had a lot of upsets during this tournament. And we're going to continue to talk about this tournament as, lo- as well as other things. We still have a whole nother hour left in this show. It's a beautiful thing. This is Sports Call with Davis and Justin on ESPN Pensacola, 1330 AM and 991 FM.
ESPN Pensacola, 1330 AM and 99.1 FM. Whenever you hear that music, that means we're either going to love it or we're going to hate it. Justin Patrick is going to list off some scenarios. We're going to discuss those scenarios in the form of loving it or hating it. Justin, go. All right. So pretty much only have time for about one, maybe two of these. But a five-seed or lower is winning the entire tournament this year. We have six seeds that are four or higher. The rest, all five or lower. Who do you have? I hate it because I right now, if you look at my uh, if you look at my main bracket, or at least what I'm considering my main bracket, uh, I have Arkansas winning it, and they're three seed. Other brackets, I have Gonzaga winning, and they're certainly not looking weak at all. So I hate it. Uh, well, you know, I love it. Just respect that it's madness. I love the idea of it. Do I think it will happen? No. Um, if anything, I'm hoping a team you know like Arkansas can win it, but I'm hoping a team like Loyola Chicago does want it that's my opinion um let's see also got time for about one more wouldn't you say yeah one more let's go fast uh let's go fast here the midwest will be represented by either uh i would say let's just say this houston does not make it out of the elite eight i love it i think i i I don't even know what all the competition they've seen so far this year Syracuse and Houston, it's going to be a very good matchup later on tonight. Looking forward to that. I, I'm with you. I love it. I love it as well. Um, but, yeah. And then also we have Loyola, Chicago, and Oregon State there in the Midwest. That game's going to be the first game we see. More basketball talk coming. Also, let's dip into what's going on in the NFL. That's next. AM and 99.1 FM. You have Ren, Justin Davis, and Draco here in studio as we're chilling and having ourselves a good Saturday. And uh, looking forward to later on today where we're going to have the doubleheader matchup over at Blue Wahoo Stadium, game one at 4 o'clock with Chris Chris Garagiola and yours truly on the call. You have Navarre in West Florida starting at 4 and Fort Walton Beach and Tate starting at 7. And Justin, you and I both played high school baseball here locally. You played for Milton. I played for Gulf Breeze. It's just it's something about these games, something about going to these high school baseball games. It takes you back. It reminds you of your playing days. It kind of it, it like makes you feel like you're a part of the action once again. Yep. And, you know, uh, you know, I did not go on to play college baseball. And this is not this is my opportunity to still be a part of the game even when I don't actively play. I always knew that even if I wasn't going to be playing baseball at the next level, I was going to remain a part of it somehow, some way, and happy to be able to call the baseball game tonight. Two of them, and again, getting all underway at 4 o'clock well, right here on ESPN Pensacola. So it's going to be fun. You know, um, when it comes to this, I love. I haven't gotten a chance to go to an actual high school baseball game since, uh, since you know I, I stopped playing after high school ball. I haven't got a chance to go to a game. I have got to do play-by-play for the UWF baseball and softball games. That's kind of been my homage to you know being a part of the game and still you know doing what I love, and that is um, being a part of baseball. But these games, it's you know, I, I I also played in the Blue Wahoo Stadium one time. I played against the Scambia in my senior year versus, uh, and that was a good game. It was three two, and you know you get to experience this this atmosphere of being on a professional field in a professional stadium, a, a professional locker room. It's really unique. It's really cool. 
because you, you're probably, you know, a lot of kids won't ever be there again. So, you know, it gives it, it gives you a chance to be a part of that. And I enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a cool, it's a cool feeling for these kids. You know, you get to go out there and play on a professional baseball field. The ba- the best baseball field I was able to play on during my career uh, was over at uh, UWF. UWF is a really solid baseball field. Yep. And we did a few showcase tournaments out there. And Blue Wahoo Stadium, although, yeah, it was built by the time I was a junior, we never played any games over there. We were ne- either never invited or our coaches just never signed us up for them or they just really didn't do them that often. And now they do it to where pretty much any team in the area gets an opportunity to play in that stadium. And that's a cool that's a cool experience, I would imagine. Uh, I never got to do it as a high schooler, so I, I missed out. And now I get to see all these other people do it, and I'm a little jealous, I got to admit. Yeah, I mean, it's it was something that was really unique. Uh, I also played on UWF's baseball field as well, and that, that baseball field is nothing but short but beautiful. I love to be able to be out there and watch and call those games, um, which I won't be able to do that for probably another couple of weeks because they're, they're playing baseball and softball on a couple of away stands for these next couple of weeks. So, you know, not, won't, won't be any action at the fork or the spoon, as, as I like to call it. Over at UWF, but can't wait to be back in back on a broadcast with them and Noah Ferry. You know he's done a great job as well when he does play by play as well. So uh, that's going to be baseball action going on later on today. You'll get to enjoy that doubleheader. But now let's go ahead and dive into some NFL stuff because the New England Patriots are spending literally like no other team has spent before, and that is a real thing. They are setting NFL records with the amount of money they've spent during this free agency. $159.6 million in guaranteed money spent this offseason alone. Yep. And they've signed, I don't remember the exact number they have signed on, on the contracts, but I will say in the past 12 years, they've only spent $400 million. And this year they've spent easily, you know, I think over half of that. Yeah. Well, this is different because in years past, they'd, always, they'd have Tom Brady, and they would build a team around Tom Brady, and he would never sign any major contracts because the team was spending money on the tools they needed to win Super Bowls. And Brady, I, I, he doesn't need the big contract to be rich. He is, he is an extremely wealthy man, and his wife makes more money than him. That's yep. an awesome thing. So just overall, they're a winning family. He, he never needed the money, so they were able to just put the money where they needed to. Well, this year's a little bit different because they don't really have the quarterback that's going to lead. And they signed their quarterback, by the way, to a one-year deal. And there's no guarantee he's even going to be the starter during the season. They're likely going to draft Mac Jones is what is being reported. Mac Jones is the name that many are saying is going to go to the New England Patriots. And I compare Mac Jones, just like I compared Joe Burrow last year to Tom Brady, I compare Mac Jones to Tom Brady. See, the thing is... No one knows what Bill Belichick's going to do come draft day. Yeah, Mac Jones, it's a chance. Well, Mac Jones is going to be there, though. That's the main question. You know, it's yeah. like no one knows what Belichick's going to do. Even if Mac Jones is there, who knows? We might end up getting Kyle Pitts. I'm just kidding. No. no I, I wish Pitts we could get Kyle Pitts. Pitts won't even be available. Did you see his 40 time? Oh, yeah. He ran a 40 in what, 4 4 6? 4 4 5, yeah. 4 4 5, yeah. yeah. I mean, literally. A tight end running that fast. Who's six six? Yes, unbelievable insanity with a hand that he has. Absolutely terrifying. Now, do you know you know Micah Parsons out of Penn State, the linebacker? Yeah. 
ran a four three nine officially. That's just incredible. He weighs two fifty. He's a linebacker. He could keep up with the likes of Terry McLaurin, man. Like that's what's terrifying. A linebacker that's able to run like that, terrifying. And he's also able to body up a tight end, and he's also just as fast as any other tight end in the league. That is terrifying to think about. That there's a linebacker with that speed. And who can hit? As yeah, hard as who can is. then hit you and chase you? Like if you're if you're a quarterback trying to scramble out of the pocket, good luck. You're getting chased. Good luck. I mean, Mike Parsons. He. I mean, I've always been a fan of him ever since I watched him play that Memphis game in the Cotton Bowl a couple years back. But man, he is a he's going to be a force to be reckoned with coming NFL. The New England Patriots. I'm not even going to say that they're really winning free agency. More they're they're spending, but they're getting tools, which is a great thing. And then they have the draft to look forward to. The Miami Dolphins are so far being extremely creative. They traded Laramie Tunsil mm-hmm. last season and in return received a first-round draft pick, which everyone was looking at Houston and saying, what are you doing giving away all of your first-round draft picks, which then ultimately led to Bill O'Brien eventually being fired. Uh, so far considered, uh, even though he was a head coach, he was also the general manager, right now being regarded as one of the worst general managers ever, ever, because he gave away all of their draft picks only for them to still have a bad team. Oh, and their quarterback is in a heap of trouble. Don't see him playing football anytime soon while he's dealing with these legal issues. Yeah, you know, so, that's it's been pretty bad seeing what's happening to Sean Watson just coming folded. But uh, who knows where that may lead to. But We may talk about that story a little bit as we go throughout. And before we just dive into that, uh, still, right now you have the New England Patriots signing everybody inside, spending money. The Dolphins are trading their draft picks setting themselves up in a way where I'm intrigued. Uh, You look at that and you're thinking, okay, the Dolphins are trying to get as many draft picks as possible. The San Francisco 49ers now own the number three overall pick in the draft, which leads people to think, okay, they're going to draft a quarterback. Mm -hmm. Jimmy G, other rumors are Jimmy G will get traded to the Patriots. That's what I want. And it would make all the sense in the world. He started his career with the Patriots. He played a little bit with the Patriots. He, he won knows, a Super Bowl with the Patriots the as a backup. He knows the system. He knows Bill Belichick. People are saying that would be a match made in heaven. But then other people are saying, well, hold on. They may go for Mac Jones instead and see if they can build a future around that. Jimmy G is still a really young quarterback, so there's plenty of years left in Jimmy G. It would make To me, it would make sense that they decide to send him to the Patriots yes. and then just draft a young quarterback. Yes. Well, then you had the 49ers come back and say, no, 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 no. Jimmy G is our quarterback of the future. He's going nowhere. There's a, there's a reason why I've been kicking myself ever since we let Jimmy G go to San Francisco. I mean, I have been kicking myself forever because I was like, that's our ticket to be successful when Brady's gone. I've been saying it, and it's true, and it's been proving, especially after our 7-9 and nine season last year. I want him back in New England. Don't think it'll ever happen. It sucks to say that. Oh, don't hold out. Hey, you know what? Teams say teams say things all the time, where they'll come they'll come out publicly and be like, "Hey, I'm uh I'm not doing it. I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying right here." And then two days later, they're gone. So, you know, it's not the first time that a team would come out and publicly make a statement and then completely go against what they publicly said just days later. So, the draft, by the way, we still have plenty of time before any moves could be made leading up to the draft. I still think that Jimmy G could end up back at the Patriots. Will it actually happen? Uh, you know what? I, I think I'm going to say yes. I, th- I think that if I think any deal is possible. 
you could you can come out and say all you want oh we're not doing this we're not doing that i think any deal is possible to where i would actually trade jimmy g to the patriots and get one and get their 15th pick that's the thing for their 15th pick i I, I want it i want anything but camden but I also don't want to lose this 15 pick because we haven't we've haven't picked this high since 2008. So you know, you know, who knows what we could do with it? I know it, relying on a pick this heavy it says a lot, and you know it's also always a long shot because you can get whatever pick you want. But Brady proves everything. 199 could just be as successful as number one, and that's where it goes. It goes a distance. So who knows what 15 can rely on? Like what it could turn into. A success or a bust, that's what usually happens. I hope a success if we keep it. What the, I think if the if the 49ers were to trade Jimmy G for the 15th pick, at least right off the bat, I believe the 49ers have won the draft. Or they've won at least the trade. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, future will always play out th- that scenario. I think the Miami Dolphins have won their trade against the Houston Texans. And the Texans, it just seems like each day goes by and there's another issue involving a member of their team. And, you know, uh, and we'll let that all play out because there's a lot of legal issues there for sure. We'll let that all play out. But for right now, shaping up to look like the Miami Dolphins are going to draft really, really well. I think their team is going to do just fine. Clearly, they're committing to a future with Tua as their quarterback. That's a, that's that should be good news for Miami fans. And the 49ers are trying to set themselves up to where now they get the number three overall pick. There's questions around the quarterback position. I think they have leverage going into this draft and really going into this season. And they also have a really good coach, Kyle Shanahan. So I think no matter who they have at the quarterback position, there's opportunities for them to win, even if, if it's Jimmy G at quarterback, as Draco's just continuing to walk on everything in sight. Uh, you know, I, I like what I'm seeing so far out of these trades. Yesterday was a really busy day, so I'm looking forward to seeing how this all shapes up. Uh, we are... Going to take a quick time out. There's a... I'm trying to think. What else was I wanting to talk about? It's funny how like I knew. like Oh, we haven't even talked about this yet. Uh, we can get into it. Oh, UWF. Oh. That's what I was going to talk about. I was going to talk about college football. What was I going to talk about? But no, UWF, they came out with their regular season schedule. They did. And looking forward to going over that. We're going to talk about that next. This is Sports Call with Davis and Justin on ESPN Pensacola, 1330 AM and 99.1 FM. September 4th, it's happening. We have UWF coming back to playing some regular season football. We saw them last weekend take on Florida A&M in a scrimmage. Well, we're going to have some real live game action football where the records count. And it's all getting underway September 4th. Not here at Blue Wahoo Stadium yet, but it's going to be on the road. And they're going to be taking on Division One McNeese State. I know. I Now, it... It's funny, but before we get into this, can I actually mention something that I just saw? What? So, the Ridge Cinema, which is in Milton, you know, they just posted something on their Instagram about the new Godzilla versus Kong movie, right? Yeah. And they were posted a screenshot of it, and if you look here, you see this TV, it's a news broadcast saying Godzilla makes landfall, and I'll read it closely. In Pensacola, Florida. That's what's all going to be in the movie. Godzilla makes landfall in Pensacola, Florida. So actually, it's funny you bring that up because I had a friend 
post on Facebook and said the soundtrack to Godzilla in the new movie, because it's Godzilla versus Kong. Yep. The soundtrack to Kong is called Pensacola, Florida. And I'm over here like, what? What? That's not what? So I go on Spotify because that's, that's to, my uh... go-to when it comes to playing music. And I look up Kong versus or Godzilla versus Kong, sure enough, there's two theme songs. There's the Kong one, there's the Pensacola, there's the Godzilla one, and it's called Pensacola, Florida. And so I listen to it because I'm wondering, okay, it's Godzilla. There's going to be some kind of dramatic theme here. Why the heck are you calling it Pensacola, Florida, when normally I think beachy, kind of upbeat music? And it's like, uh, in fact, Grin, pull it up. See if yeah. you can find... Pensacola, Florida. We have we have Spotify pulled up here in the studio. We need, we need to get Julio Diaz. Like we need we need to get him on this. Like he needs to break this case. Uh, he'll he'll get more. I know for a fact yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll be on and he'll want to discuss this. Okay, yeah. So here we are. She just pulled it up and it's called Pensacola, Florida: The Godzilla Theme. Now let's go ahead and play some of this. Draco wants to hear it. waiting for the beat to drop, although it doesn't really drop. Okay. So I'm 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 curious, one why? Why us? First of all, why? Why Pensacola, Florida? Second of all, we haven't had any sort of news or broadcast of film being done here, right? So I don't know, think so. We yeah, have, I haven't we seen. We know anything. our location won't be used. I'm gonna, so I'm googling this right now. I'm gonna look up Godzilla versus Kong and just see, let's see because what if the movie like takes place in Pensacola? But it does. It wasn't filmed here because they're had, like that's the thing. Like, they had every opportunity to be filmed here. The movie is released on March 31st, so it's coming out here very very soon. In fact, what's today? The twenty uh, seventh. It's coming out this week, basically. Yeah. In less than a week, this movie is out, and it makes me want to see it now. Yeah. And I never go to the movies. The last movie I saw was The Grinch, and like the new version of The Grinch. That's you know, the, the best one. one. The, the the yeah the newest one is not the best one. It is yes, by it is. far the worst one. And that was the last movie I saw. That was pre COVID with my then girlfriend Amanda and. But she's my fiance now, so we haven't broken up. Like she's my fiance now, but uh, that was the last movie we saw, and okay, okay. we haven't seen any other movies. And so I guess if I go see this movie in theaters, then okay, I, I would be it. breaking a trend. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking. Listen, at the, I'm looking I at the same Reddit page. Into Reddit, there yeah. also appears to be a scene where the dinosaur-looking fella comes ashore on Pensacola Beach. This is well, de- all right, all right. Like, well, is that all, just like one scene? Okay, if they, I guess, if they do this and it's some, um, ta- I mean, like, let me speak. If they do this and it's some tannish looking <laughs> sand right there on the beach, I will fully be offended because that is not our our beach, and we know it. We have white sand. And they put us on some tan sand beach. I will be so angry. All right, Ren, you can continue. Sorry, I, I had was to get just that saying, out. Saying maybe that's the song they're gonna play when it's coming out of the water, like onto the beach. That, that's you know what that's what probably so, what it will be. Like but the thing is. Okay, if they but they, if they put the wrong image of Pensacola out there, I will be actually kind of well, like okay, triggered. Okay, so it was filmed in Australia, Hawaii, and Hong Kong. Like those are the filming. So locations. it it that's, looks that's like tan sand. That's tan okay, sand. So basically, what I am looking at that upsets and, me. and 
and, and keep in mind, like Hong Kong or not Hong Kong. Like, actually, no part of the movie, I guess, is based in Hong Kong, but Kong lives on Skull Island. Correct. So, right here, what I am, uh, what I am seeing is okay. Some of the characters, Bernie, who's an employee of Apex, a cybernetics and robotics corporation, uh, host of a Titan conspiracy theory podcast, exfiltrates information suggesting sinister activities at a Florida Apex Center when Godzilla suddenly attacks. So I wonder if this Apex facility in the movie takes place in Pensacola. My dad just texted so, me, be nice. <laughs> my mom texted me, said you were rude. I know, that was a little bit rude. I'm so, sorry, Ren. So this, article, <laughs> this article says, it looks like Pensacola is getting attacked by Godzilla soon. And the first comment says, maybe he'll get distracted by all the barges. That's true. Like he won't be able to even get on, to, get on to the shore. shore because too many barges are in the way. He's having a, you know, maybe that's the reason why the barges actually hit the bridge was because Godzilla was swimming around. And he was banging them all around. It wasn't the hurricane. It was Godzilla. It was, yeah, yeah, it was Godzilla. There we are. Now we have answers. Yeah, Godzilla just didn't like the hurricane, so he said, "Buy a three mile bridge." He won after the hurricane. What, what if they actually like filmed that? I was like a thing. Like they actually just like. They could have just put, like, Godzilla here during the hurricane and just filmed him while he was here. You know, that would be, that'd be honestly kind of been funny. I hope that there actually was a little bit of filming done here. But we didn't hear anything about no, that, it. No, that's know? the thing. The, I, I, we would have heard about it. I, I'm almost certain we would have heard about it. There was a movie called Red. It's with Bruce Willis. And I can't for, I can't remember who all else was in the, 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 uh, the movie. But parts of the movie, there was, like, a scene where a caption pulls up and it says, Pensacola, Florida. And I'm like, wait, hold up. They're in Pensacola? Absolutely none of the scenes look like Pensacola. Dude, you know, it's just like, why not even tr- like, try to film here? Like, we, we would love it. I, I can almost guarantee Grover, Mayor Robinson, he would love that. He, he'd be fine with it. I know we would love it. I know I'm not going to be happy because I, I I'm not into these type of movies. I'm not going to be happy when I go watch this movie and they say Pensacola and it's literally some tan sand beach. I'm going to be like, that's not us. Because we have white sands, and we all no, know we it. have we have very white sand, but and like it's obvious. And so yeah, I guess we're all looking forward to this movie now coming out, and we'll certainly. I get I, so since the movie, uh, part of the movie has Pensacola in it, we're probably going to see this in the news more often now that the movie is coming out. But going back to UWF, you know, because we got so thrown off here. Uh, McNeese State is who we're leading off the season with. They're an FCS school. They're based out of Lake Charles, Louisiana. It's a Saturday kickoff. Don't know any of the times of the games just yet. Uh, but going at, down the list, the very next weekend, which uh, I, so I actually, and this was off the record, so I couldn't break the news, but I've known that the first home game was going to be on September 11th for quite a while now because we were at Blue Wahoo Stadium covering a story, and I won't say who said it, but we're just, you know, talking. And. Uh, while we're at the stadium, they were talking about, you know, having to make sure the stadium is ready by September 11th. And then all of a sudden they just stopped and they're like, oh, well, I guess you guys know that now. So he, they knew for a while that UWF was planning on having their first home game September 11th. We just didn't know who against yet. Maybe they knew. They just didn't share that well, bit. But I knew at least for a few months now that September 11th was the – maybe it was like a month and a half, I think, has been really more accurate. But they've known for a little bit that September 11th was at least going to be the first home game. So no surprise there. And it's against Southwest Baptist, a team that we've never played. And then the very next week, we're going to Texas, and we're taking on Texas A&M Commerce, which this game, this matchup 
is long overdue. I wish we were playing it long at overdue. home. I wish we were playing it at home. Me too. You're not alone. Wish we were at home Gosh. for this one. But, you know, um, I, I, I've mentioned it before when I have, I've had Austin on the show ask about D1 schools he would want to play that they think they can actually compete with. FAMU was one of them. Played, played at FAMU in a spring game last week. By the way, words of Will Kennedy saying Austin was by far the best player in that game. He's, said, a, he's the, easily the front runner for the Harlan Trophy. Yeah. Which, by the way, if you don't know, the Harlan Trophy is the Heisman for Division Two. Correct. And so, said by far he was the greatest player. I'm like, no, no surprise there. I'm excited to see McNeese, though. He said that McNeese is another team that they can compete with. McNeese is yeah. D1 actual talent, and if we come out there with a win, awesome. So, without you even knowing it, like, he broke some news to you. Yeah. Like, he broke news to you. He didn't even... Which I'm just like, okay. So now I'm starting to see a trend. You mentioned FAMU, you go play FAMU in the spring. You mentioned McNeese, now you play McNeese at home for a home opener. I'm like, like okay. These guys knew in the, what the schedule was. Like, they knew. They obviously knew. So, yeah, he without you realizing it, he broke some news to you. So there you go. Uh, McNeese State is going to be the first game. So September 4th, Justin, are you feeling a road trip? I like, am. I think I'm feeling a road trip. It's six hours away. I've already mapped this all out. By really? The way. Oh, six hours is nothing. That's, like, six it, hours is nothing. We I mean, can come do that. On. We could easily do that. Sports call live from Texas A&M Commerce. I well, think. Or, well, McNeese State would be the first game. True, yeah. Uh, that's that's, Lake, that's uh, Lake Charles, L.A. I was thinking about that one, Louisiana. Really? Now, Texas A&M Commerce, I, actually, I already looked that up, too. That's a much further drive. I don't Is know it? if I'm good for, I don't know if I'm good for a, a 12-hour drive. I, and I've, it's not too far away. It's about 60 minutes away, about 60 miles away from Dallas. Not too far away from Dallas. I've made that road trip to Dallas a few years back. That one's pretty rough. But yeah, I that mean, one's long. Who and who knows what I may be doing? You know, come this. I, I, of course, I'll still be here. But if if I'm somehow more involved with uh, teams like you know actual broadcast team and whatnot because of everything that I've been doing so far with the baseball teams, who knows where I may be with that as well? I know Could that we're, we're with UWS. exactly doing and, some good things there. You know, we know that Will Kennedy and uh, and. And you and I, we're going to be building the Pensacola Game Day show or trying to come here football season, which we're really excited to try and bring out. But, yeah, a lot of great things I'm excited to have to have UWF football back, you know, in 2021 because it couldn't happen in 2020, of course. So, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's long overdue. A lot of the members of the team are returning now. They've had a year to just practice. They're hungry. Oh, yeah. This team is hungry. They're ready to come out. They're ready to compete. And they're going to McNeese State as the defending national champions, taking on a school that's not even Division Two. And every inch of me says, UW's going to win this ballgame. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and, I, and the, what I have seen of this current team are the video that has been posted of the team against Texas A&M and against the other teams that they've done scrimmages against. Uh, another new team, by the way, they're playing, and this team is coming here to Pensacola. And, of course, we'll be out there. We'll be broadcasting. We'll be broadcasting every game. Every game, you'll hear the games on ESPN Pensacola. But this one's a new team. Their debut season was UWF's national championship season, and it's the University of Fort Lauderdale. We get to see them on September 25th. Scratch that. I might not be there. That is the fiancé's birthday. So that is a hard maybe for that one. Yeah. But, uh, Justin, you may have to take care of the duties for me on that, at least doing some sideline stuff. Easy. But, uh, no, yeah. That is the fiancé's birthday. I doubt I could be at that one at this point. <laughs> I and truth be told, would you would you want to celebrate your fiance's birthday? Yes, I, I, I would. I would have to say yes to that one. Sorry, UWF. You celebrate yeah. on the sidelines of a UWF football game. Hey, Amanda's been on the sidelines for she a UWF has. football that's game. Where that's where, I first that's met where you met her. That's where I met Amanda. That's where you met her. So and, you know she and 
the great personality that she was. Yes, and she was, still is. Still, <laughs> still most certainly is. That's, I'm a very lucky man. So, yeah, and it goes the rest of the way. The rest of the teams that we play are going to be all Gulf South Conference teams. Circle this one in your calendar. Circle it right now. Don't even do anything else. Just do this. Circle this one on your calendar. November 13th of 2021 at home to finish the regular season, and it's against Valdosta State. I mean, if ESPN is not picking up this game, what are they doing? Like, circle that right now on your calendar. Care. I don't care who else is playing on rivalry yep. week this week. Like, I want this, you, this is the game of the year. Game I, of the year coming up. I want everyone at that game. We're going to be at that game. I have no birthdays that I'm obligated to do that day. Um, uh, let's see. Marshall, the anniversary of the plane crash is the day after, so, you know, it's it's all good. So, you know, I, I'm fine. Yeah, well, nope. We're going to be there. We're going to be breaking it down. We're going to be full-on hands-on deck for this yeah. thing. I'm trying not to I'm get excited. too ahead of myself, but I, I, I'm just – I'm picturing right now a matchup. How many games is that? That's, that's a, wait, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Imagine two teams – 10-0, taking on one of the, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. It's the very last game of the regular season. Anything can happen. We could suffer a couple of losses in the meantime. Who knows? Anything can happen. But just picture two 10-0 teams, last game of the year, both teams go into the playoffs no matter what, and the conference championship on the line. I think Picture that right now. That's just something that I know ESPN does not actually pick up D2 football, but hey, ESPN if Plus. Could, if we could lobby for it. I know. Like, ESPN U or something, you know, come, come pick up this game. Like, it's, it's like something small. Like, give us some sort of national recognition for this game. If if the, if the uh, you know, the situation does occur of, you know, 10-0 teams, top teams in the country going at it head-to-head with the talent that they have, former national champion versus former national champion, the past two national champions going at it. Think about it. Why wouldn't you want that game? It's huge. For D two, yeah, big. One. That's a big one. It's as big as it comes, like that. And the Gulf South Conference has—it's been said for a long time. It's the SEC of Division two. It's a tough conference to come from. A lot of really talented football players do play at these schools. Many of them were at one point Division one athletes who transferred, and they wanted to take a better opportunity with a Division two. Some of these players probably could have gone Division one, but they decided to go Division two for playing opportunities. Like. Austin Reed, you know, Division One quarterback that came home to Florida and decided to go to West Florida, could have most certainly stayed out of Division One, but he came to Florida instead and went West Florida. Benefited us yep. to an extreme uh, amount. And I, I culminated to a national championship. The amount of heart and passion that goes from his mind and comes out from his body, it, it's incredible. The, the competitiveness that comes out of him. I mean, it's something that getting to know Austin personally on personal levels, it just see his mind of the game it's i mean he really is a treat to be around and get to cover I, I i'm excited to see what happens this fall because i know he's missing it like crazy i'm missing it like crazy and you know, the entire city entire university we're all missing it like crazy because we want to see our team back on top so that again circle these two dates in your calendar september 4th it's going to be at mcneese state i'm feeling a road trip possibly we'll see we'll see if we can make that happen i'm feeling a road trip to mcneese state then maybe make a pit stop to new orleans on the way back and then also the final game of the year, November 13th, Valdosta State at West Florida. It's all going down at Blue Wahoo Stadium. Yep. We're going to take a quick timeout. We're going to come back, and let's get back into the NCAA men's basketball tournament because we have some games getting underway here in one hour. One hour. We are back 
to watching some glorious basketball. And that is next on ESPN Pensacola, 1330 AM and 99.1 FM. Song by... Credence Clearwater Revival. John Fogarty, of course, the front man of that group. As not only is John Fogarty and his band a now they're rock and roll hall of famers, but Fogarty himself alone as a solo artist also in the hall of fame. So he's in twice. So good pick there. So we have not just one bracket style tournament going on. Of course, we also have the women's basketball tournament, but also in golf. I'm going to go ahead and switch gears and move to golf. Because we have Bubba Watson playing in a tournament that he's won before, and that is the WGC Dell Technologies Match Play Tournament. They always play this tournament when the basketball tournaments are happening, and it starts with 64 golfers in the field, and they do like a round-robin style. And then, like whoever like has the most points at the end of the group moves on to the Sweet 16. And now today they are in the the Sweet 16 matchups, and I believe they play multiple. I believe they do two rounds of golf today. If you lose, you're eliminated from here. You 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 don't get to continue on. And then the final the the uh, final four and the championship is tomorrow. So today's the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. And then tomorrow will be the final four and the final. Bubba Watson, again, a few years ago, I believe it was two, three years ago now, he won this tournament. Well, right now he needs uh, he needs some help. Uh, he needs some help because right now he is one. He is down one against Brian Harmon, a fellow lefty. They are on the 17th hole, but here's the good news. Mm-hmm. The good news is that Bubba won the last two holes. Have you ever done match play golf? Mm. Match play is fun. I really like match play, and that's how the U.S. Amateur is done. So what it is is it's you against somebody else, and you are playing to where if I get a birdie and you get a par, then I'm up one. Okay. And then if I oh, I've played this if game. I like I've put yeah, if yeah. I like put the ball and it and I leave it like two inches short, then the player will just be like, all right, go ahead and pick up your ball because you can do that. You can just go ahead and pick up your ball. You're going to make that more likely. And if the golfer. Uh, who's putting to win the hole misses and misses it by two inches, then I could be like, all right, Justin, go ahead and pick up your ball. Like we'll count that. Uh, so we'll just move on and uh, it'll be even match play. Golf moves a lot faster and you don't have to finish out a hole uh, depending on what's going on with the, uh, within the scenario. So that's how this all works out. And if you are winning by nine, if you're winning by nine, like you won the first nine holes and then you play the tenth hole, and you win the tenth hole. It's it's game. The, the the other player can't finish. Uh, they they can win all the rest of the holes, but you'll still be winning. So they just go ahead and finish it from there. So Bubba, if he loses this hole, this next hole, if they tie, he still has an opportunity. If he loses this next hole, then it's game over for Bubba. He would be eliminated. So I'll keep an eye on this, uh, Justin and uh, Ren. Actually, do you like golf, Ren? I love golf. I played in high school. Yo, okay, so cool. So you have an appreciation for golf. Is it something that you normally sit and watch, though? I did growing up, but I, I called it nap time when my dad would turn on golf and I happened to be in the living room and I'd wake up and he'd be like, look. And I was like, I've been asleep for like three hours, but it's I like nap playing time. it. But watching it is different. 
See, I, I'm where I really like watching golf, especially if the people I like are competing in it. Also, I just love like I, I love playing it. Like yeah. I love watching it. I love playing it. Like golf to me, you, I used to not like golf until you grow up and you watch it, you play it, you begin to appreciate it. And I, I love golf, man. I just love, I love it all around. Yeah, I love golf. It's it's awesome, especially during master season. I'm watching every shot. It's fun. Um, I'll, I'll always watch a major tournament. That's for sure. Especially when it's at TPC. It's all yeah. mm. It's my mom's funny because you, know, you normally during the Masters, I'll change my uh, I will change my wake up uh, alarm to the Masters alarm, which by the way is so loud. Like it is so so loud. Like I wake up because the thing is screaming at me the Masters tune, which I would actually have it no other way. My mom, like. She just likes the theme song because it sounds really nice. So she occasionally uses that as her ringtone. Like not just during master season, she'll use it anytime because she just likes the 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 song. It's a good song and it's a good ringtone. So I'm like, there you go. Like that's that's good. That's master season always here at, at the at my parents' household. So I actually have very a good stuff. Flag. Oh, cool. What year? She, was the, she, wasn't, she wasn't ready for that one. I well, I haven't seen it in a while. When my dad passed away, we gave it to my uncle because he's a really big golfer. But my dad was like a crazy golf person. But he always had the Masters flag, and then we had like seven other golf flags. We have a bunch of like clubs and stuff. My, I have a Masters flag. It's actually right over. You can kind of see it from here. Um, I can see it from here, the yellow draping down. If you, I have a little stairwell that leads to my desk, and... Go uh, at the top of the stairwell is this flag that is hanging over, and it's a Masters flag from 2019, the year that Tiger won. Uh, what well, what I believe is going to be his last Masters. So it might be his last win ever, too. Yeah, well, his last win ever was the Zoho yeah, that in, is true, in Japan. Last major, still, last major win. Yeah, last major win, 15. Got it. Yeah, you know, that's that's all good. You know, you won 15 majors. I think you deserve to call it a day. It's you, okay. You think he'll ever play again? I think in a competitive level, it's hard because I just I've we, never. We, I, I think we still don't even know the whole the amount of severity well, of what yeah. what has really entailed to his injury. Like, I imagine he hasn't gotten. And by the way, Bubba Watson just lost. He lost the seventeenth hole. So Brian Harmon wins two to one, and Bubba will be eliminated from the tournament. That's all right. Good round, Bubba. It's uh, you know that happens. That that just happens. But uh, anyways, what I was gonna say was that. <clears throat> Um, I'm trying to actually, what was I going to say? Tiger. Tiger. Oh yeah, Tiger. We're talking about Tiger. I got thrown off by Bubba. No, yeah. So Tiger, he is likely still in bed. I imagine he's still a long way away from recovering, given the the just the the severity of his injury. I would imagine that he's going to be out much longer. When it comes to him playing an active PGA Tour event. I I just don't see it right now. Now, Tiger has proven me wrong a handful of times. I didn't think he was ever going to win a tournament again at one point. Proved me wrong, won a couple of tournaments since then. I didn't think he was going to win a major again. Proved me wrong, he won the Masters. You know, I don't think he's actually going to play competitively again now. He just might prove me wrong. Now, does that mean he'll go out there and be the same Tiger that he's been in the years past? I mean, probably not. Uh, I've also always thought that Tiger was not going to compete in the Champions Tour, which is the senior tour. Something always told me that Tiger was just, when he was done playing, he was going to be done playing, mm-hmm. and he wouldn't compete in the senior tour. Now, he, he could, but, you know, you have other golf greats who, you know, 
rather than continue their career on the senior tour, they just go ahead and hang it up yep. because they, they were extremely successful at this level, uh, at the PGA Tour level, to where once they reached the age of 60, let's say, they said, you know what? I, I don't need to keep playing. I, I'm done. And we still have a very active pool of golfers playing in the senior tour, the champions tour. I just have never seen Tiger being that golfer. So even when he is better, like he's walking around, I still don't see him competing even on the champions tour. Yeah. Uh, he probably won. He doesn't seem like the guy that would go and play at a lower level where he was not because he's too good for it. It's just because I feel like he put everything into the game. It's kind of like Kobe, you know, like after he's done playing basketball and the NBA going off and playing some semi-pro league just for pickup or or just playing in some smaller league, you know, yeah. it's kind of it's kind of like, kind of entails to that. It's like it doesn't really make sense because of just everything they accomplished here in the actual uh, you know highest level. You know, when I first saw the report that Tiger was in a car, in a car accident, Ren and I were actually in the studio doing stuff, and all I could think about was Kobe because you see the helicopter shot yep. of wreckage down on the ground. And by the way, in the L.A. area, like Kobe's accident was in the L.A. area, Calabasas. This one was not near Calabasas, but still in the L.A. area. We just, didn't even know if he was alive for a second. Yeah, because they, they said he was They said he was like, in surgery. It just popped up, anything. and it was like breaking tiger car accident. Davis was like, what is going on? Like, I thought we were about to have another Kobe situation again. Yeah. And for me, you know, Kobe... Although I didn't really grow up uh, watching the NBA that much, whenever I played basketball, it was always natural. You know, when you take a shot, you go, Kobe, like, always did that. You know, you wanted to be the best shooter, and Kobe, for the longest time, has always been the best shooter. Really, has always been one of the best basketball players around. That was part of me growing up. So even though I didn't watch the NBA that much, I played all the video games. I, of course, had the uh, I had my basketball hoop in the driveway and always was you know wanted to be like Kobe or LeBron James after a while. And then for me, though, if, let's say, this would have turned into a fatal incident, like, take my reaction to Kobe, but amplify that by 10. Because Tiger is the reason why I love golf. Tiger is, I, I have all the video games. I still to this day play the most recent Tiger Woods game that has Bubba Watson on the cover, actually. Yep. Because it's the Masters edition to this day was the hands down best game. And by the way, Tiger's returning to the golf video game scene. He's going to be a part of the 2K series. So that's yeah, cool. I'm going to buy that for for a fact. I'm going to buy that. He wasn't a part of the last one, but I'm hoping he'll he'll be a part of this. One. They say he's going to be a part of the next one. He yeah. has already signed the contract, which is a, which cool is to, a good thing. I wish more golfers were involved in it because I'm pretty sure it's it's uh, DJ, Justin Thomas, Rory, and. Um, I think I'm missing one more, um, one more big name. Uh, Jordan Spieth. Spieth, yeah, Spieth. Yeah, Spieth would, yeah, that would be a because that that's one thing about the older Tiger Woods game that I have. It's 2014, I think. Yeah, you know, not all the golfers in there are golfers that are really recognizable today. Yep. You know, the, the golfers that are in there are golfers who are good at that time, but they're, you know, they're like in the Web.com tour now. So, I, uh, I, I or I think it's called the Corn Ferry tour now. So. I uh, look at uh, I look at these games and I'm excited that they're producing them again because golf was always fun to play. I, I hated the fact that they went away with it for a long time. So I'm happy that they're back and I'm happy Tiger's going to be in it. And I'm, again, I've said this n- numerous times and I'll just say it once more. I'm happy Tiger 
is okay. So uh, before we took our last break, I said we were going to talk about the NCAA. Well, it's funny how things work. We often think we're going to talk about something, but then other things just come up. But we're going to take our final time out of the show, and we are only going to talk about basketball because we're going to give our game day pickums next. This is Sports Call Davis and Justin, along with Draco and Wren on ESPN Pensacola, 1330 AM and 99.1 FM. Oh, my computer's acting up. probably heard my computer's acting up. I'm trying to get my uh, uh, my roster, not rosters. I'm trying to get the schedule up so that way we can look ahead to the fi- uh, Elite, Elite Eight because we're going to have the Sweet 16 happen today and tomorrow. And then on Monday and Tuesday, we'll have the Elite Eight. So at this time, we'll go ahead and take this into our game day pickums. Justin, Ren, and myself, we're all going to pick the winners of each game. And let's start with... Game number one today, tipping off in about 40 minutes. You have Oregon State, a 12 seed, taking on number eight seed, Loyola, Chicago. Let's start with Ren. Ren, who do you have? Loyola. Give me Loyola. Yeah, I, I like Loyola in this ball game. It's going to be a fun one, though, because Oregon State, you know, they're a 19-12 team in the regular season. They've earned their way here. So they're on a little bit of a run themselves. I would almost argue that they could be a, a Cinderella team uh, based on their record and how high of a seed they are. But yes, give me Loyola. Following that game, and I do love how they're staggering these games. It's great. That just means you get nothing but basketball the rest of the night. But Villanova against Baylor. This game is going to be awesome. Give me Nova. Same. Yeah, give me Baylor. I I really liked this Baylor team. Villanova is dangerous during the tournament, but give me Baylor. Game three, 625 tip-off. You have the Cinderella team of the tournament. This team has solidified themselves as Team Cinderella. Oral Roberts versus the number three seed, Arkansas. Is Oral Roberts due for another major upset? Nope, give me Arkansas. Gotta go with my favorite state, Arkansas. It's your favorite state? Yep. All right. I've never been to Arkansas. I ought to check it out. But yeah, I in my best bracket right now, I have Arkansas winning it all. Uh this team, they they could have won the SEC championship. They they fell short. And Alabama is playing tomorrow. We'll get into those games here in a moment. They ended up winning the SEC regular and tournament title. But in this game, give me Arkansas. They're gonna uh, Cinderella is not going to keep dancing after this game, I believe. If Oral Roberts were to win, then maybe I'll change my mind. But I've doubted Oral Roberts every single game, and they keep proving everybody wrong. Why stop now? I have Arkansas. Yep. And the night capper for tonight's games. We have four more tomorrow. We'll get into those here in just a second. Syracuse-Houston. Syracuse. Syracuse. I have Syracuse winning this ball game. Buddy Bayheim's going to keep the fire going. All right, let's get into tomorrow. One ten is the tip-off. Creighton, Gonzaga, who do you have? Oh, it's going to be a question to me. Gonzaga. Gonzaga's in my yeah. dream, so I got to go with it. Gut instinct. Yeah, they're, they. something was saying. So, yeah, literally. Gonzaga. Yeah, I, I love this Gonzaga team. And they're so, so talented. They're loaded with talent. I have Gonzaga winning it all. Sunday, 4 o'clock, Florida State versus Michigan. Oh, I already gave my prediction yeah, earlier, but I'll remind our listeners what the prediction was. Florida State. Born and raised, FSU all the way. I have Florida State upsetting the number one seed, Michigan, in this ballgame. Leonard Hamilton, a hell of a coach. Let's keep it going. 
UCLA, Alabama, number 11 against number two, the second 11 versus number two matchup we will have, and also the second time that the number 11 seed is actually a blue blood. Uh, Give me Alabama. Too much depth. I will never root for Alabama at UCLA. I think this Alabama team is so talented that I'm going to have to go with Alabama here. And last but not least, Oregon, USC. Yep, give me Oregon. Then I have Gonzaga being Oregon in the Elite Eight. I have Florida State being Alabama in the Elite Eight. I have Villanova being Arkansas. And I have Loyola being Syracuse. I, I won't even go that far. I'll just give it to USC because they are actually... We're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. Enjoy your Saturdays. Enjoy some basketball games. We'll do it again next week.